Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Just before we roll into this episode, I want to talk to you about a couple things. Um, as always, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags, main sponsor of the show. Use promo code John Stallone, save 20% on your whole order. They got some awesome stuff. So get yourself a shooting, some shooting bags, a glassing pad. Check out some of the stuff that they're working on. Also, I want you to check out Lacusa. Uh, Lacusa makes wild hunted American whitetail leather goods, uh, like wallets, card holders, stuff like that. It's a really neat deal. I got mine about a month ago, and uh, I really love it. It's nice to know that your whitetail hide's not just going in the garbage or being left out in the field, um, and uh, it's being turned into something useful and it will last you a very, very long time. If you use promo code John Stallone on your purchase, you will uh, receive a discount. And a uh, couple other things. One, you know, I know you guys heard me say a million times, please go on iTunes, give us a review, helps me keep this free. And uh, lastly, I just want to touch on all the craziness that's going on in the world. It's really important for us hunters to stick together. They are really heavily coming for hunting. Uh, we're seeing it all over the place. It's popping up in every state where they're trying to, to chip away at hunting rights um, and change things up. So if you want to keep hunting as special as it is to us now uh, and, and, and have it be in our heritage and, and for the generations to come, then learn to be better with your fellow hunter and learn to stick up and fight for what's right. Thank you. Let's jump into this next episode. Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today, uh, we're talking to a buddy of mine. It's uh, Iron Will Bill. Uh, if you don't know, and if you haven't heard of Iron Will Broadheads by now, you're probably living under a rock. What's going on, Bill? How are you? Hey, John. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Absolutely. It's uh been a freaking crazy hectic day for yourself and my and me as well <laughs> as we uh yeah it, it which, has glad we were able to connect here for a little while anyway yeah yeah for sure um so i got well why don't you first quick give us a rundown about yourself and then uh we'll jump into a couple of your uh your hunting stories yeah so uh, i'm a i've been a bow hunter for a long time now, I think almost 40 years. I've um, been a mechanical engineer for about 30 years. And, you know, elk hunting has been a real passion of mine for, well, I grew up in Wisconsin, but I moved to Colorado about 20 years ago now. And it's, um, you know, I, I hunted, like last year, I hunted caribou, elk, mule deer, whitetail, you know, bears, I had lots of things. But really um, what I focused a lot on the last 20 years or so has been, has been elk hunting and um, you know, that kind of turned into trying to make better gear, better broadheads for elk hunting. And, nice. and then four or five years ago now started, uh, Ironwell Outfitters business, uh, making broadheads. Awesome. That's how most good products come about, you know, it's out of necessity for wanting to fix something for yourself in the, in whatever it is that you're doing, the little niche and, uh, and that's where those those gems come out of. 
So, um, so I have you on today to share with you, share with us uh, some of your hunting stories. Uh, so if you could share with us uh, one of your favorite haunts or most outrageous haunt. Yeah, I was thinking when you asked me that, um, you know, they'd be elk hunts, and there's quite a few stories that I can tell, but I thought it might be good to tell a, an old story from about 15 years back and then tell a, a newer story from my Colorado hunt this year. Awesome. And, and yeah, so the first hunt, it was right around 15 years ago, and, you know, I'd only been really elk hunting about five years, maybe five, six years at the time. And I was still just learning a lot about elk and elk behavior and hadn't really gotten very good at it yet at that point. Um, went with a buddy of mine. You know, we both had to work late and we drove out after work. We got, we decided to hike in that night. It was, um, I think we got to the trailhead at midnight and hiked till about 3 a.m., slept in bivy sacks for a few hours and then got up, started hunting. And we got into some, um, elk pretty quickly we're here to bull bugle and um and i'm pretty sure we had done just kind of a locating bugle to start with and got a bull to respond and you know what we decided one thing that we i think this was maybe the first time we kind of tried this approach was rather than try and um you know try and call him to us or get in there close and and you know make him make a move I just had my buddy stay back where he was and just call like once every five minutes. And I just snuck in on him and, um, <clears throat> that, that worked and it ended up, it worked pretty well. It ended up being kind of our main method of doing it in the, in the mm-hmm. years after that. But I remember I went in on these, on these, um, elk, they were three, 400 yards away. I snuck in there and there was a lot of, uh, low Aspen and I was staying pretty low and I, I heard the bull. I kept moving, looking for him. And then I finally saw, and I started crawling in there to stay low in the cover. And I finally saw him raking a tree. You know, he's only 30 yards away. And I saw his antlers, but that's all I could see. And, um, you know, I was super excited. It was a big bull. And then his cows started walking around through there. And and one of them walked right up. And I'm, I'm on my hands and knees. And she's about four yards in front of me, like, eating these leaves and just looking at her, you know, licking them and eating them. And she's looking right at me, um, but yet she wasn't spooked. And then I looked at her like eye to eye, and I didn't move my head at all, just my eyeballs. And she just freaked out and took off, you know, running up the ridge. <laughs> um, and the bull, it was, I'm not sure how many cows there was, probably, you know, 20, 30, something like that. Wow. But the, the bull bugled and, um, you know, all the way going up. This is a steep ridge side. It was you know, I probably chased, I, so I took off kind of after him because I could keep hearing the bull bugling and I could hear the cows in front of me. And I, at the time I was, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't realize it, but there's probably no way you're going to catch up to these elk the way they took off there. But I tried as hard as I could. I kind of ran up, you know, after him going over the deadfalls, try to keep up with them, mm-hmm. eventually lost them, but I had an idea kind of where they went anyway. Um, Came back down, found my buddy. Um, we we kind of had a snack, laid there for a minute, and I got these. Ter- I remember I got these terrible cramps in my quads. I think I'm sure I was dehydrated and just put on a ton of work. But so anyway, we we headed up. Then um, you know midday, we headed back up to where I thought they were, and sure enough, we got onto them. 
and we spotted him feeding and there was this one bull in there he had a really dark antlers and really dark head it was like black Hmm. and and he was bugling keeping these other couple other bulls off and he was just the meanest biggest looking bull we'd ever seen at the time um and we couldn't really make a play on him then but um as it started to get dark we um we kind of lost him and then we heard two different bulls bugle and my buddy and i kind of each one after one and i went after this bull and i heard him bugling and then my buddy was was ca- was calling below me he was bugling and i was um going up the steep ridge and, and i saw this big you know two foot diameter aspen tree i thought if i get to that one i could peek around and maybe see him so i i crawl up the ridge get get behind that aspen I peek around just as he lets out this huge bugle. So it's this giant, just black-headed, looks like an Angus bull there, mm-hmm. but massive antlers, and just screams a bugle like five yards away right in front of me there. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if I knew what I'd know now, I would have just, I would have drawn my bow, leaned around it, and just shot him a frontal shot. Right, right. Um, 15 years ago, I just didn't. Did I just it. didn't have that in my head. That yeah. was a possibility, you know. I just thought. Oh, I think back. Um, a, I think back a lot of times about stuff like that. That like yeah. things that I would do now that I, you know, that you could get away with now that that you know versus when, yeah. when, when you were presented with it the first time. Anyway, sorry, right? There's ahead. so many. <laughs> there's so many of those situations now, but that was certainly one of them where I thought, uh, oh man, he's coming. He's coming right through me here. So I, um, and the hill was steep enough when I just dropped down a few yards, I, my head was below that level that he was at. He's on kind of a bench. Okay. So I just dropped down a few yards off to the side, a few yards, drew my bow as I heard him coming and he, his head stuck out past that aspen tree. And I really couldn't see him to then cause it was so steep. And so I'm there, you know, like 10 feet away with my bow with <laughs> full draw. And even though I wasn't looking, he just swung his head over and looked at me and you know, things didn't look right. And he just, bailed took off running out of there but man that was so exciting i was just so um you know that i was already just crazy about elk hunting and that just drove the my passion to the next level really having that experience oh yeah for sure i remember um i didn't actually i didn't have a bull tag i had a cow tag and i um i was working this this is here in arizona and uh I was just working this ridge, ridge line, and I was every once in a while I was letting out like calf sounds, see if I can, you know, hear some cows chirping below us, and get to this one point, and this bull lights up, you know, not nothing special, maybe like that two ninety, maybe three hundred five by five. Um, nice, you know, for for Arizona, that's not a giant bull, but um, great bull as anywhere else. Um, he, he comes running up and I don't have, and I could see him coming up through the trees. And so I just sat down next to this pond, the Rosa pine, and I'm trying to get my camera out. I didn't, this was pre cell phone camera days. And I had a little handy cam in my backpack. I'm trying to get it out. And he's just coming so fast. I'm like, shit, I just better stop. He's going to, you know, he's going to see me. And he came up and he just walks right up to I mean, I'm talking like three steps two more steps he's going to be standing on my feet 
because I had my feet out in front of me. Like I wasn't even like sitting like crisscross or Indian style or whatever you want to call it. Um, I had my feet straight out and he like walked up and his hooves. I'm like, he's going to stop on my freaking my legs right now. I'm going to be crippled. And I'm just trying not to move, trying not to spook him. And he just blasts a bugle out. Like, and I, I just, when you said that to me, I was like, man, that, you know, him being that close, that must've been like that same experience. Like I, my ears were ringing. It was so close and I could like feel his breath. Um, but it was, that was the coolest, like, super close encounter i ever had and it was pretty early on in my elk hunting days um, yeah that's pretty intense when there's more than this bull screaming and you're yeah. you know under 10 yards from him that's um yeah that kind of experience gets me going back um uh, you know putting miles on year after year to yeah to find another bull like that i don't think i've yet to have another encounter that close you know 20 yards maybe but i don't maybe eh, maybe maybe on the well, the bull that we shot with my client this year was like I think of fifteen yards, but other than that, like never a couple steps away. I've never had that again. That's for as many years as I've been elk hunting now. At that I think at those are those are the days you dream about, I guess, you know. But Yeah, they are. And I had a couple experiences since then where I just snuck in on bugling bulls, raking trees or whatever, and just just a little too much ground cover. Um I had that happen two years ago, I can remember, and, and probably, you know, seven or eight years ago where mm. you're just so close, you know, like five, eight yards away, but there's just no clear, no clear shot. Um, yeah. that, that's, that's tough yeah, to, yeah. uh, to get that close, but yeah, it's, it's exciting for that's sure. Awesome. That's awesome. And I guess, uh, what was your takeaway from that, from that experience? Well, like I said, I think that was one of the first times where we just kind of, um, if I had a buddy along and one was kind of the caller that we just would have them stay back and throw a bugle out every five or 10 minutes, just enough to get that bull to respond and let the other guy know where he was at to mm-hmm. sneak in rather than, and you know, if you're back three, 400 yards, it didn't seem to push that bull to do anything. Right. Cause um, you're outside that, that zone where, where he yeah. feels threatened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'd gone to seminars and, you know, read and, you know, see on TV and stuff where, you know, you go, you get in close, as close as you can, kind of challenge that bull. But, um, you know, that was, it's exciting to do that, but it almost never worked out for us. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're, you force, you're forcing that bull to do something. He's either going to come or go, and usually he's going to go. <laughs> right. And not right. always like this, this big black Angus bull. I, he was, he knew he was the meanest, baddest guy out there and, and bugling at him you know, ticked him off and he wanted to come in, but, um, you know, nine times out of 10 or more, I think in the times that we tried it, uh, it just didn't work. They, they wouldn't come all the way in or it, it almost never worked out for a shot. It's only a couple of times that it had. So mm-hmm. anyway, and, you know, start calling and calling less, but that approach, um, seemed to work. Okay. That was one thing to learn. Um, you know, I think I was also learning through that trip kind of, how how aggressively you can be to stalk in and coming from a, being a whitetail guy uh, i mean you don't do it a spot stock whitetail in the timber is pretty darn tough it's something that yeah you know you just don't really do even um so it, it took a it took a bit took a few years to figure out how much i could get away with and 
you know, for the most part, if there's a bull bugling and he's got a herd of cows, you can just about run, run at him, you know, run the first couple hundred yards. And when you get in that, um, you know, hundred yards, 80 yards or so slow down, but you can still make noise. Um, you know, you want to see them before they see you, but it, I was just kind of just learning about, um, elk behavior and what I could get away with on stocks. Um, so learn, learned quite a bit there that year I felt as well. Yeah. For sure. That's actually a, 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 a tactic that I, when I have enough guys with me that we do leave a guy back. Matter of fact, a couple of years ago, I had, I had a novice guy and in Arizona, we're allowed to use a Fox pro caller. Um, he was, it was a brother of the guy that was hunting with me and, uh, he didn't know how to call, but I'm like, yeah, just hold this Fox Pro, okay? And I want you to – I put a radio in my ear and a radio in his ear, and every time I told him, I said, all right, do do number this and and play it. <laughs> and then we did that, and we just – we kept moving in, like basically what you were describing, you know, on this bull because it was, was one of those years that none, none of them wanted to play, you know. You'd get to 150 yards, and then they'd round up their cows and go. Yeah. So, but you know, at three hundred yards, four hundred yards, they just sit there and bugle at you. So. Yeah, no, I had one year where I was helping out a, a younger friend of mine, and um, and he'd never really, he he'd elk hunted, but um, he never really done much calling, and I was trying to help him get a bull, and and um, we put on some miles till we got one to respond, and and it was a few hundred yards out, and. I said, okay, just sneak in on that bull. I'm just going to stay back here and bugle once every five minutes or so. Well, two hours later, <laughs> I still had the bull talking. Mm-hmm. And and this guy, um, he just snuck in super slow the whole 300 yards. So oh, that's geez. why it took him forever to get there. Yeah, yeah. But I had the bull call him back to me for a whole hour with the original bugle I was using. And then he shut up. And then I, I pulled out every every diaphragm call I had and, and uh, then I got another bugle sound that he, he responded to again and got another hour going. But just from, you know, doing that growl into the call, I'd lost my voice for about a week after that. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I bet. That's all so I do, So I've hunted with him a few times since. I'm like, just run in there until you're, you know, 100, 100 yards, and then you can slow her down. Yep. But, yep. Yeah. Anyway, so um, you were saying you want to share one from uh, this past season. Let's Let's hear that story. Yeah, so this past season um, hunting Colorado was it was pretty amazing. Um, I hunted a new area. I'd heard about this basin back in there from a buddy of mine that hunted it the year prior. That um, there's a bunch of elk back in there, and it's it's 11 miles back off the trailhead. So, um, even though a few people had have heard I've heard about it from a couple people before, it seemed like nobody was back. Nobody was going that far back or wanted to. Um, <clears throat> another reason was probably that there's um there's no way in and out of there other than dropping over the side of this 1400 foot you know steep ridge down to the bottom um because you can't go out the bottom of that basin it's all um it's canyons and cliffs and stuff Mm -hmm. so getting elk down in there you know you start with a 1400 foot climb you get the meat up and then you got you know 11 miles to go out so i understand understand now why uh maybe people don't (laughs) choose it as their first spot but i got back in there and it was um man it was full of elk and this is early season and they were they were bugling and it was i mean it was just an amazing hunt to me and 
so um i was in on a bowl one evening this this big seven point bowl i spotted down that came out to the bottom just before dark i made a move on him but I, it just didn't work out um and then so the next the next afternoon i headed back in there again um and i had a couple of bulls i got down to the bottom and then i had a couple of bulls bugling you know on the other side of the ridge other side of the basin so this basin the bottom of it was pretty open about 200 yards wide fairly flat with a creek through it and there was a lot of tall grass and brush and and wallows and just beautiful um country but very open um so anyway i heard i heard two bulls um bugling back and forth you know i just come down the side of this ridge and then they were back up the side i just came down um, about 700 foot elevation climb to get there the wind was right i got in there start sneaking on them and um you know there's a couple of cow i was starting to see cows got a glimpse of one of the bulls um but i had these two bulls within let's say they're both within probably within 100 yards of me um one was within 60 just enough cover i really hadn't gotten a good look at them yet but I was, I was in close and they were bugling and, and, you know, it was exciting. I thought this is This is going to happen. It's going to work out. The wind's right. They don't know I'm here. Um, I just got to keep dogging them as they're moving up through here. I'm going to get a shot here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about that time I hear another bugle from across the basin on the other side, um, uh, on the opposite Ridge, a big bull coming down. I thought, Oh man, that's that seven point big seven point that I saw the night before came down that same spot. So I'm watching over there and I see this giant bull break out into the bottom. And I mean, it, normally I'm, if it's, if it's a mature six point bull, I'm, I'm shooting. I'm not like passing up bulls, right. Holding out for a bigger one, not in, you know, Colorado public land type thing. But, um, this bull was, when he stepped out, I could see he was just, giant just the body size the mass of the antlers and uh i, I just abandoned these two other two bulls even though i had one basically in shooting range if he just steps out wow um <laughs> so very unusual for me to do but um that the size of that bull just thought was amazing so i i just started heading down this ridge side and halfway down i come right up on these two other bulls and these are two six point bulls and I saw them before they saw me and they, and the cover was right where I was, I was still somewhat hidden as they looked back to see what was coming. So I had a shot at two more six point bulls right there. And they were about uh, 40 yards. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, I mean, they were, you know, I don't, I don't like where say, this story's going. <laughs> <laughs> They're like two eighty, two ninety bulls or something like that, or the bigger one of the two was, but something I normally be very happy to shoot, but <clears throat> I just left them. I just kept walking and, and just blew them out going after this other bull. Um, I was just so excited to get down there and see him. So I get down to the bottom and I kind of lost track of him as I was coming down. I come out of the timber into the open and I spot him there. There's this group of pines, this little group of pines that's out in this pretty open basin. Um, he's maybe 120 yards out or something, 150 maybe. And his head's behind one of these pines and his head's down feeding. Mm. And I thought, could this be any more perfect for me to just stalk in on him? Even though I got to cross through the open here, 
his head is totally hidden from me. Mm-hmm. So that this, this is perfect. I start, I start walking out that way and then I get, you know, probably 30, 40 yards. And then over to my left, there was, they were also on the edge of the timber, but I couldn't see them until I got in the open. It was two cows that were standing there. Oh, um, and I look over, they're staring right at me and then they, they take off running. Um, and this bull, so this bull was, you know, he's maybe within hundred yards of these cows. It wasn't exactly right with them, but you know, they're all kind of together. I'd say, right. They take off running and my instinct was just get out of sight. So this bull doesn't see you. Right. And the cover was, um, you know, a foot and a half tall or something like that, that I made. It's just this grass and little, real short brush. So I just dropped to my stomach and, um, and I was peeking out. Sure enough, the bull runs out in the open, looks, was looking back at me and he runs maybe two or 300 yards. just kind of looking back the whole time. And then he, and then he stops and just turns and just looks like what were these cows Running looking from. at? And the cows just continued going up into the timber, but he stayed there looking back. He wanted, he didn't really want to leave the bottom. There was good green grass, lush grass. There was water. Um, it's like he wanted to, it, he was the biggest, baddest elk around. He wanted to stay down there, I think. And didn't really want to just blow out of there if you didn't know what it was, is what it kind of seemed like. Um, so I, I crawled and there were, you know, I was in an inch of water or so, um, oh, as well. And, uh, and I, I'd already dropped, I dropped my, my pack. Um, and did I still have my boots on at this time? Yeah, I still have my boots on at this time. So I, uh, anyway, I crawl from the, from the open to the edge of the trees. Um, and there's, and there's just a few little pines here and there sticking out and some dead, dead trees. But I get over there to where um, I, I've got some cover now to put a, to put a stock in on him. And I start, you know, sneaking along, standing when I can. And, you know, I know I, I crack like one little twig and I could see him move again. Like he, he's on high alert, but yet for some reason he didn't want to run out of there. Um, pull my boots off. Um, so I crawl. I crawl quite a ways, but then I've got these deadfalls I have to get over. So I get one, I get one kind of tree in line with that elk between the elk and, and myself. And it's not a lot of cover, but it was just enough kind of that I could step up and over these or climb up and over these deadfalls and keep him out of sight. And I feel like he probably heard something and, and, or, or saw something there too. It seemed like he was getting more and more nervous. Um, but I got through those, I got back. So all I had now between him and I was grass, but I saw this little berm out there that I thought if I get to that little bit of a rise, a little bit of a berm, I'm going to have a good shot at him. So I start working my way towards that. Um, and I'm just, I'm crawling, I'm moving my bow in front of me as I'm going. And, you know, there's about a foot of grass. I mean, so like no cover. He's still staring my way. It, I mean, this whole time, since, since since I spooked those cows, it seemed like there's no way this is going to work out, but I'm going to do my damnedest to, to, you know, try and make the best decisions and try and get this to work here. And I just kind of stuck with it. And so I'm crawling along, moving my bow in front of me and, and I'm just about to this little, um, you know, this two inch wide kind of um, pine that was dead and laying across. I thought if I get to that, I'll have a little bit of cover. Um, and I'm moving my bow and, 
dink, it hits off a rock in front of me in the grass that I didn't see. And it was, it was plenty loud that he heard it. And, uh, so he starts, um, he starts barking and coming my way. And I thought it's now or never. Right. I, uh, I, I pop up behind this little, you know, two inch wide tree with a couple little dead limbs off of it. Um, pop up to my knees behind that. And so he can kind of see me through that, but I, I get my bow, I, I knock an arrow, put my, get my bow, range him as he's coming in. He starts out over hundred yards, but he's barking, coming at me. By now he sees, he saw something, mm-hmm. but it, it's like he wants to come in and really, really see what it is before he runs out of there. Right. Right. So I'm ranging him. He's, he's at 190, 80. I'm like, okay, Sounds like he's in range good. now. <laughs> if it works out. Um, and he, and he, and he stops then and, and he turns broadside and he's still looking at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I range down my sight and, but he's still staring, staring. And he just turns his head like he's going to go away. And, you know, as quickly as I could, I drew anchor, settled a pin and squeezed it off. And I, I probably had to do all that in just a couple of seconds, mm-hmm. but, um, hit perfectly like a couple inches in front of the crease right to the meaty part is zip through um zip through them um and you know at, at the i think at impact you know he he bolted out of there he made it about 50 yards running wide open and just tipped over just came crashing to the ground nice. giant antlers and oh man was i so excited got that giant bull and such a lead up and all this time it was like it not it's not going to work out. This I screwed this up. And so the stress level keeps growing and growing. And then to pull it off at the end, it was just amazing. Nice. That's a good story. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me you got to the end and almost got him, And then you <laughs> blew the shot or something like that. I thought and I'd tell you one, one happy story. That you went through all these other bulls that you could have killed easy. <laughs> that's how it, you know, that's uh, how it happens. A lot of times you pass things up and then it doesn't work out. And yeah. You're yourself. You yeah. didn't uh, shoot one of the other ones, but no, that's a, that's a great boy. You can, there's a photo of him on our, on my Insta, Instagram, um, I'll have to check post, it out. but just a giant, maybe, maybe a three forty inch bull, just a lot of mass all the way to the top. Hell yeah. Just one of the biggest bulls I've seen in, in Colorado. Nice. Of the plan. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, sweet stories, man. Um, real quick before we jump off here, uh, I know you guys just come, came out with some new stuff. Uh, particularly that was interest of me was the single bevel. But uh, why don't you give us a quick rundown of what you guys got going before I let you go here? Yeah. Yeah. So we've um, we've been making kind of premium broadheads for max penetration on big animals like elk, and um, we had a initially a V-series and an S-series with a solid blade. Came out with our wide series last year for people wanting a bigger cut. Um, mm-hmm. And then we've been having, you know, people been wanting a single bevel version for a couple of years now. So I've spent the last year and a half or so um, in development on that, trying to get the design to have the edges be, be strong enough and get um, and have the bevel angle to where I get that edge strength but yeah, I get the right amount of, of, uh, kind of rotation as it passes through an animal. Um, so just, we've just come out with that. Um, you've got a pre-order now. We're gonna start shipping those next month, which is our single bevel broadhead. And we have it with and without a single bevel, um, grind bleeder as well. And 
Yeah, I've always been. That's important. I've always liked the, our, our standard heads are, they're a double bevel with, with a bleeder. And I've always liked that with the bleeder better than just a single bevel with no bleeder. I know even though you get that S cut with a single bevel, I've just felt like having that cross cut, um, just you slice more tissue and can get a quicker kill and a little bit more open hole. Um, if people just like the standard single bevel, we're, we're offering that. But the one I'm more excited about personally is adding that single bevel bleeder. Um, yeah, exactly. I've had a number, number of animals with that um, in the last few months here. And it's really opens up the holes And they're What's interesting is they're like square mm-hmm. because you're getting, you're getting a cross cut and it's rotating. So it's, um, it's almost, you know, you say you get that S cut with one, but when you do the cross cut, it ends up being kind of square. And I've got a number of animals where I've, I can t- I've taken a photo of that entrance hole and those exit holes, and it just opens them up uh, really well. And as well as I think it does more tissue damage throughout. So yeah, yeah. Cool I know you and I discussed that, and I was I was telling you that several yeah. months ago when I did the broadhead test that if you're gonna do the bleeder, it's got to be. Because everybody yeah. else that has a bleeder out there, they have a double bevel bleeder on it. One, the double bevel slows down the rotation um, that you're trying to achieve with the single bevel to begin with. So you're kind of right. fighting forces there. Um, and two, like you said, having another little S-cut cross-section opens that one little section up like a um, I never thought of it as a square, but I, I guess I can't see that as a square, but it's like, it's not sealing back up. You're not going to get it fold back in on you. Like you do on some of these, you know, two blade heads that, you know, the, the hide folds back in and, and, and you don't get the same blood trail that you, you would with yeah. like a four blade or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I had been talking to a number of different people that were kind of single bevel advocates and you're you're one of the guys that i called and talked to early and and one of the few guys that was really interested in the single bevel um brought it with a single bevel bleeder blade and so that was really interesting because i would had been working on that and i was interested in it it was it was great to get your your thoughts on that as well it definitely helped me um in the design there but i think you know i didn't i haven't quite figured out why the the whole square exactly, but you know, it's going in and turning as it goes and you can certainly see why, how it's going to make those holes more open and less likely to just come back closed. And you can see that through the, you know, through the lungs and things too. Um, yeah, it's kind of twisting them up as it cuts it. And it just makes this, you know, bigger ir- irregular shape kind of hole through everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I'm excited about them. I'm ex- I'm excited about them. It's uh, it's kind of made me put up put the brakes on uh, <laughs> developing my own. So, you know, you kind of came out with what I wanted. So, I mean, the, the, the design of the head's different, but you know that that idea because nobody yeah, nobody was doing it. Of... Nobody was doing it. I was like, so now I don't have to do it. Bill already made it for me. Save <laughs> myself the time and effort. <laughs> well, I'm definitely uh interested in getting you some here soon when we um when we're when we're gonna be start shipping here in the next uh, week or so i'll definitely get some to you to try out and uh, give me some feedback let me know what you think for sure for sure so uh real quick before we jump off uh where can our listeners find out about uh you and uh iron will yeah our website is ironwelloutfitters.com 
our Instagram is um, at Ironwheel Outfitters, uh, Facebook's Ironwheel Outfitters also. But yeah, a lot of our a lot of our kind of daily new news and things you can see on our Instagram. Um, but yeah, check our website for the new products and just more details on on our product line. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, man. Um, I will. Uh, I'll be in touch. I'm sure. And I'm yeah. excited to get those broadheads and put them through the ringer a little bit. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm looking forward to getting some feedback from you on it. So thanks a lot. No, thank you. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk to you soon. Bet. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out daysinthewild.com and be sure to give us an, a review on iTunes. Thank you, and we'll check you out on the next episode.